Free Talk Live's Live Sunday edition. I know folks on GCN are not used to hearing this. We we have just we've been doing the Live Sunday edition for maybe a month or so. Does it what's that, what sounds right to you, Stephanie? More than a month, I think, right? This is Mark with you. And Stephanie. And, uh, <laughs> um, a little more than a month, perhaps, we've been doing we the... We started late June, I Okay. <laughs> uh, we've been doing the live Sunday edition, and now we're on GCN, likely to be picked up by, well, probably several radio stations across the country now, and pretty soon we'll be adding some more. There's already some promised along the way, so that's that's really great. Because there really is a dearth of live programming on Sunday nights in the radio world, isn't there? Indeed, there is. On Sunday nights, there's very, very little that's live, and that's why Free Talk Live is bringing something to you that's live. And big, big thanks to Kyle and the folks over Genesis Communications Network in general. Ted Anderson also probably deserves to be named in their uh, head engineer over there, George. So, um, you know, and, and th- we're going to be doing this for the foreseeable future. Free Talk Live is probably the only radio show that I can think of um, in America that comes on seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Because That's a this, pretty big deal. This isn't the Mark and the Stephanie show. <laughs> this is Free Talk Live, where the listener can call in and talk about whatever they want to talk about. We have different hosts. I don't work seven days a week, generally. Um, <laughs> our <laughs> this... main co-host, Ian, whom we will talk about in just a moment, normally works from, uh, let's see, he does Tuesday, he does Monday, Monday through, through Saturday. Saturday, and I do Tuesday through Sunday, is the general idea. And you can give us a call at 855 855- Four five zero free. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 855-450-3733. Talk about anything you want. But speaking of Ian, uh, you've spoken to – you went to visit Ian today. I spoke I to did. him today. Uh, I think that this is day five of his incarceration for civil disobedience. Does that sound right to you? Uh, yep. He was in on Tuesday. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then today is Sunday, so yeah. Five. And he got 90 days, so this this counter could go up significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but So tell me what, what your experience was as far as going to see him. Well, interesting stuff. I was really anxious to visit Ian because I was really sad to hear that he was thrown in jail for 90 days. I mean, anyone who's been listening throughout the week kind of knows the background story, but in case you're just just hearing about this for the first time, basically Ian was inspired by seeing other people in the past who have... Um, obstructed police cars that have been arresting people for victimless crimes. And so he saw someone who he thought was being unjustly arrested and he stood in front of the police car that was attempting to take her away. And so he was arrested himself. And finally, a year later, they got around to trying him. Yeah. (laughs) By the way, speedy trial uh, in New Hampshire is considered to be six months. So they just went ahead and Threw that little guideline out of the window. And he even motioned to dismiss it on the grounds sure. that it wasn't speedy trial. Not good. Nah, don't nah, worry about it. They didn't care. <laughs> and they tried him anyway. And so, But in order to get that uh, a jury trial, he did something which is called a 91A request. And I'm not a legal expert, so correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, if you know the oh, details. Oh, and I am a legal expert. That's right. <laughs> well, you may know some details that I'm not aware <laughs> that of. That might but, be true. <laughs> but um, as I understand it, he basically... Uh, filed a motion to move his case into superior court instead of district court. And in order to do that, he had to be found guilty in district court and sentenced. Sounds right. And and then he would get a jury trial basically on appeal in um, superior court. So he <laughs> so he was um, so in, as part of being found guilty in district court, he was given a sentence. And that was that sentence was 60 days 
or it was like a year with all but 60 days suspended, right? I, it's all I knew was the 60 days part. Mm-hmm. He, so he would have to be in jail for 60 days, basically. So, but then when he went to the jury trial, he ended up being found guilty by the jury and then received a sentence from that judge of 90 days in jail. So it seemed like there's, there's some, there are a few miscarriages of justice along the way here. Mm-hmm. I can understand why, uh, you know, the, the, the governing powers and, and the jury might have decided that standing in front of a cop car is unacceptable behavior, but they probably should have brought him to trial before, oh, a year. Uh, yeah. They probably, the judge probably shouldn't have said, I represent the state. Um, I mean, Ooh. the judge, judge represents the state, really? Isn't the state the guy that's prosecuting him? Well, so, so the point of that is, how are you supposed to get a fair trial when the cops and the prosecutor and the judge all work for the state? Indeed. Yeah. And also, why did they deviate upwards on his sentence? He was already given one. What, what was the purpose Precisely. for taking for taking the, tr- the the case to jury trial? That's what I suspect it is. And because the judge doesn't say he's deviating upward for some reason, because he doesn't have to, mm-hmm. um, I can, I'm left to assume. And my assumption is that they don't want you to have a jury trial. They don't want you to have a trial of your peers here in the United States of America because more than 99 percent of cases are tried are, are you know handled before a jury trial happens. Mm. They don't like them they're too much like work for them (laughs) yeah and it it does cost the state extra to do that and i'm sure the judge also wasn't pleased because a lot of the people who were there in the courtroom to support ian were not standing for the judge and ended up throwing them out of the courtroom and uh, a lot of things went down that day but anyway to make a long story short ian was thrown in jail so that's why i was visiting him today and so i walked into the jail and and was on my way to visit him and um, you know, you have to give your government ID unless you're a kid, right? If you're an adult, you have to give your ID to the um, correction officer that's working at the desk. And uh, I found it kind of interesting. He, the corrections officer that was working, took my driver's license, my government um, driver's license, and copied down all the information. And then he asked um, me for my phone number. And I said, well, well, why do you need my phone number? And he said, well, you know, just in case we want to get in touch with you. And uh, we want to get in touch with you. I said, uh, I'm sorry, I can't give you my phone number. And he just said, "Okay." And (laughs) and then I said I made a little joke and said, why? I hope that there's no reason that anyone here would need to get in touch with me. (laughs) And he kind of laughed and smiled. But I, I just it made me think and wonder how many people will just unquestioningly give them any information they ask for, even if it's not mandatory. The number's incredibly there. large. Is all you have mm-hmm. to do is have a clipboard and you ask people questions, they'll tell you the answers. I mean, it's really, there's nothing to it. That's oh, just, yeah. You know, I mean, we, we know from Stanley Milgram, the famous psychologist, that most people, the vast majority, will obey any even semi-official looking authority that tells them to do anything. And it's a very scary thought. It's sad, but true. Mm-hmm. So is that your Ian update for the day? Oh, no, there's more on okay. Ian. Basically, um, I and another friend, Mandrick, went in to visit him and they have the little video conference thing where you can see each other on the screen. And we talked to Ian for quite a while. He seemed to be doing um, pretty well. And I asked Ian, you know, is there anything that we can do for you? What do you want to get out to people? And is there anything that people can do? He said he has been receiving mail and he really appreciates getting the mail. Um, he can only have three books at a time in his in his cell. And so he asked that people kind of stagger sending books because I guess. You have How to would s- you stagger them? No one would know what the other people are doing. You can't mm, coordinate. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. But probably there were a lot of people at the very beginning of his sentence who wanted to send him books. Sure. But he just wanted people to know that he can't get them all at the same time. But when I asked him, what can people do for you? Uh, or how can they help you out or something? He basically said, um, move up your plans to get to New Hampshire. That's what makes it worth it for him to sit in, in a cage for 90 days or however long he ends up sitting there. 
And uh, that's what makes him feel that it's worthwhile. So the Free State Project certainly is something that uh, Ian feels passionately about. Mm-hmm. And um, that would be the, the thing that would would be <laughs> most helpful. Yep. Uh, also, I would uh, interject the CD Evolution Fund. There is an mm-hmm. Ian Indignation Fund there to help people who do <laughs> uh, sort of civil disobedience like Ian has. Um, that's cdevolution.org. Mm-hmm. I'm a proud there. supporter. <laughs> yep. Um, you can also go to amp.freetalklive.com where we have you know the amplifier program for free talk live the fact is we have to pay some people to do some stuff that ian would otherwise do mm-hmm. and, uh, and you can't do all of that yourself mark you've been such a trooper working every single day I'm so tired <laughs> <laughs> um so uh we're going to be taking some of the amp funds to take care of one particular uh hire that uh, is important to us so um, yeah most people don't realize i mean there's a lot more to your and ian's jobs that than meets the eye a lot of people probably think think well all yeah all they have to do is just talk for three hours a night when it's really only two hours with commercial breaks and stuff yeah. but no it's an easy job right you do sales you spend your entire day selling advertising on free talk live ian calls radio stations and tries to promote the show and, and get we them need to somebody carry to do that mm-hmm. you know, it's not something you can th- toss an amateur into and everything will be fine you know you have to uh, you know somebody has to know what they're doing mm-hmm. otherwise they're gonna create more problems than they solve yep yeah exactly so, so. It's appreciated any support that uh, people want would like to give. Absolutely. And uh, you're listening to Free Talk Live with Mark. And Stephanie. Give us a call at 855-450-FREE on the SACL CAI toll-free line. Live. It's our live Sunday edition. You're listening to Mark and Stephanie. Give us a call at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And uh, we, we just uh, just talked about Ian being in the pokey. If you want to talk about that or talk about anything, please feel free to give us a call. It is the show about your calls. So we're going to go jump directly into the phone lines. And we're Rich, Richard in California. Richard, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Thank you for taking my call. Um, basically, uh, when you came on, I was wondering if Ian was in close custody or if he was in general population. He is in general population. He, I guess, he went through a couple of days worth of some some sort of processing or another, but um, didn't you know? Hasn't uh, they don't classify the prisoners at this jail for a few days? They put them on, you know, they observe them for you a know, few with days. These current stress. Whoa, sorry, <laughs> that's okay. They observe them for a few days to make sure they are not suicidal and so forth, and then they put them in general population where they can have visitors. So, so now- is he in like a two man rack back, or is he in dormitory? As I understand, this is a new for- form of confinement, relatively new. That nothing like I, nothing like this I have ever seen in my life, and I spend a little time in in the pokey myself. You know, I I will be honest like on the years. on the inside of that jail. I was looking around and I I, I thought of a school. It reminded it nice. me. It reminded me of so, of government school. Right. It it as I it's a large room to which there are no doors or anything like that, and the officer sits in that large room with the inmates. Apparently, as there is a painted line around the officer's desk, uh, uh, which the inmates are not allowed to cross um, mm. unless they are given permission. But that is the only protection that the officer has from the inmates. 
And Ian has a cell, but he told me that he is alone in the cell for the time being. He doesn't have a roommate right now. See, that'll be interesting to see who they put in the cell with him because, you know, he's caused a lot of trouble and he's sort of outspoken. And that also brings me to wonder, like, uh, Ian has always seemed to convey over the show this romantic uh, attitude towards uh, confronting the man and being locked up. And so I think it'll be interesting to see how much his attitude changes when he comes out. Yeah, well, this will 90 days in jail change him. It seems unlikely to me that an activist that firmly believes their their principles is going to be too persuaded by 90 days in jail. I mean, 90 days in jail, although it's a pain in the butt, isn't that long of a sentence. We're not talking about 10 years hard labor turning big rocks into little rocks or anything like that. Um, Although he might be doing labor soon, he said he uh, might he might be in the, well, you know, in the be work. Nice, nice to have something to do, frankly, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but at the yeah. same time, I, I would also think that there might be like maybe he'll have a, a change of uh, thought process around, say, doing the real work of his activism, which is reaching people and getting them to move to New Hampshire. I mean, he feels obligated to do what he says, which is not take plea deals, do civil disobedience and stuff like that. But. Although he you did, generally don't have generals fight, fighting, um, you know, uh, alongside of foot soldiers. But he did also say, just to play devil's advocate, that he believes that him being in jail will inspire some people to move, and that he has had some basically luminaries and some people who he thinks are great activists move because of the last time that he was in jail That's for the true. couch situation. So, I to answer your question, Richard, I, I'm not sure. I think that what he says is that it will make it worth it for him to do this if it inspires enough people, I guess, to cross his arbitrary threshold for being enough to um, move to New Hampshire sooner. Right. I just hope he does lots of push-ups and sit-ups, and then when he gets out, anytime I've ever gotten out, like, immediately I need to decompress, and that's usually, like, I drink a lot, smoke a lot of pot, have a lot of sex. Like, I turn into a maniac for a while once they get out of the hands of the man. And so that'll be interesting to see, like, you know, just the transformation that he goes through coming out from, you know, with their hands on him. And hopefully he won't go back in because most people, like once they get out of the man's house, uh, they end up back in there, you know, in a few months. I don't know. He does have some other trials well, coming up. Yeah, he may. He's still right. got some civil disobedience trials coming up. So he may, he may right, end up right back in. It's hard to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully not, you know, and hopefully yep. like when he does get out, he just doesn't go, you know, go crazy, breathing fresh air. That's <laughs> my go. point. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens to him. But, uh, that's it, and we'll just have to watch and see and wait what happens, and I just hope he does his push-ups and sit-ups and all that, because if he's made some enemies there, you know, they're going to put him in. Well, you know how they operate, Mark. Well, uh, they and, certainly uh, could uh, put him in with uh, somebody that's less than savory, but this isn't really, this isn't that kind of, it really isn't that kind of jail. It's not set up where, you know, if somebody's dangerous, they're not going to be in a in this open dormitory kind of style thing. It would be... It'd be too much trouble just because he happens to be in the room with him. He's not going to be locked in the room with him, as I understand it. So, um, you know, this is this isn't that kind of dorm. It's not the old style thing where they roll doors shut on you and and that kind of thing. Interesting. Well, best of luck to him and and good luck too with the show and you know keeping on top of stuff. It's a lot of work. So, thank you. Thanks, Richard. Thank you, Richard. You can give us a call at eight five five four five zero free. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. And, you know, I, I, a lot of people are thinking about Ian right now. He's uh, the main, normally the main uh, host of the show, not on Sunday. Sunday, it's uh, it's Mark. 
And Stephanie. <laughs> and we do the show together. But the rest of the week, Monday through Saturday, Ian is the one who's sitting in the front chair. Now I'm having, having to learn that. So if things seem a little rougher than perhaps you might have expected, well, that's because I'm generally the color guy that just kind of sits over to the side and, and says whatever comes to my mind. I don't have to do these intros and these extras. And It is very different. I think people don't really realize how much is involved in sitting in that seat and kind of you have to keep an eye on the phones you got to do compelling intros and outros you have to control the microphones and it's a it's a significant it gets to be a significant amount more work than just sitting here and talking we also have to do the live reads yes that's true Mm -hmm. you know with these current stressful times and sometimes those summer sniffles you may become run down thank goodness there's a natural supplement With all the vitamins and minerals that we need, that the human body can possibly absorb, here's Mike Buck from New Zealand's Nature Bee. Hello there, Mark. It's true. Look, Nature Bee plant pollen from New Zealand is the perfect supplement. Over 150 micronutrients, all essential for your good health, completely 100% natural. You know what? The only thing in our capsules is pure plant pollen. No additives, preservatives, no chemicals, and it goes to work quickly. Within a few days, you'll be feeling a better energy level and we'll be guaranteeing you to improve that immune system. You know, the Nature Bee is kind of like getting a giant salad buffet in two golden capsules. Um, I I love it. I've been taking it for 18 months consistently, and I reorder and reorder because it works for me. It makes me feel better, I sleep better, and I have better digestion. Now, you can have all um, all the listeners can have uh, Nature Bee. How in the world can they order it, though, Mike? Yeah, see, that's easy. We've made this really, really easy. A huge six-month supply is just ninety nine ninety five plus delivery. And when you order or reorder right now, we give you three more months for free. When you do the math, that's 37 pennies a day to feel like a million bucks. And all that with our money-back guarantee. So what would you be waiting for? Get aboard the health parade right now. Call toll-free 1-866-834-8355. All the way to Auckland, New Zealand, 866 866- Eight three four eight three five five, or get with us online at naturebee. That's naturebee.com. dot com. Call the toll free bee line at eight six six eight three four eight three five five. The sooner you start taking Nature, nature Bee, the sooner you will start enjoying the power of pollen. That's eight six six eight three four eight three five five, or go online to naturebee. dot com. Free Talk Live. Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-FREE or 3733, depending on how your phone looks. This is Mark. And Stephanie. And we are bringing you the live Sunday edition. Go check out freetalklive.com. There we have archives going back to 2006 for you for free. That's a lot of free show content. No other radio programs doing that for you. Very few radio programs. I don't know of any any that are that are uh, uh, you know normal broadcast radio programs that are offering you free archives going back for five years. There could be one out there somewhere, but for sure, there's one here with Free Talk Live. It's archives.freetalklive.com. Also, it's probably a good idea to have some gold and silver. 
You know that the Federal Reserve is going to continue to print money. You know that, well, the United States currency at some point is going to crash and burn. It might be a good idea to have some gold and silver on hand and either as a you know barter currency, a hedge against inflation, even investment, because there seems to be a bubble in it right now. I don't know whether that bubble is going to pop or I don't know what's happening with it, but I would recommend getting some. I certainly have uh, purchased gold and silver. Have it in your possession or in a safe deposit box or something, someplace where you consider it safe, a friend's house, that kind of thing. It's uh, it, it's a good thing to have. You can go to gold.freetalklive.com, and we've picked out some coins there for you, good choices to uh, just get the metal into your hands. It's gold.freetalklive.com. Not only are you helping Free Talk Live, helping yourself, uh, helping GCN, you'll be having this uh, gold and silver on hand when you need it. Uh, you know, to make a better life for yourself and your children is gold.freetalklive.com. And we last night on the show, we talked about the the Ames, Iowa straw poll. Mm-hmm. This is the big straw poll. Um, I mean, there's there's two straw polls that kind of count. The CPAC straw poll, the Conservative Political Action Committee straw poll, which is kind of held every year. I'll trust you, Mark. I don't know what counts and what <laughs> doesn't count. <laughs> there's a lot of straw polls, and Ron Paul tends to win them uh, these days, but... The Ames, Iowa one, kind of a different bird, um, more, more, much more difficult. Well, um, apparently Michelle Bachman hedged out Ron Paul by a very few amount of votes in the Ames, uh, Iowa straw poll. Yep, it was less than 200 votes it according was, to the article that we read last night. I think it was 158 was the uh, number that I had heard, but that, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that looks about right. It was uh, 48 23 versus 4671. So very, very, very close um, within you know, less than a percentage point separating, uh, separating with all 16,892 people that voted. So almost mm. 17,000 people that voted in this. And you'd think that that means that Michelle Bachman's a pretty strong candidate. And I'd say that she's considered by the news media to be a pretty strong candidate. And oh. that and that much is true. And Sigh. I'll tell you what happened this morning was maybe it was yesterday. I think it was this morning. Tim Pawlenty dropped out. Now I think it was yesterday. And he was the guy that came in third. He was the guy who came in third. It was okay. a far third, but he didn't consider that to be a strong enough showing against Michelle Bachman to continue his campaign. He was he was one of these front runners. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would have considered the front runners, you certainly would have talked about Tim Pawlenty. And apparently, he didn't think he had whatever it took to continue on, and threw in the towel early on. I really, frankly, <laughs> things haven't even gone gone anywhere. I mean, the caucus hasn't the Iowa caucus hasn't even occurred yet. We're months from that months mm-hmm. from the new hampshire primary well it's great when one of them drops out it would be better if all of them would drop out right well it doesn't really matter um if one of them drops out because like you're aware stephanie we are going to have a president come uh yeah, yeah. I, I agree <laughs> what is it 20 uh 2013 would be the new one would be signed yeah. in, in yeah. january of 2013 so either that or uh, obama i suspect that Barack Obama hasn't done enough for the economy whether or not i'm not saying it's his but they, fault they can't do anything for the economy yes he can he could do well, lots well, he of things can leave people alone. He could get the government the hell out of the economy and right. the economy would bounce back. But um, it's important to clarify because a lot of people do think that the government can like create jobs or right. things a like that. A bully can stop punching somebody in the face. And that's yeah. an action, right? Yeah. The, the ceasing of that action is, uh, is an action. And that's what the government is doing to the economy. It's punching it in the face repeatedly over and over. And the economy, you know, it'll continue to flow like a river, but it, it's taken its licks from these politicians. They're taking all kinds, stealing money from people. It causes them to, you know, rethink their and reevaluate, and and it really just—it's a job killer. The government is a job killer. Mm-hmm. So, 
at, 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 th- that leaves with uh, Palinti dropping out. That leaves all these sort of also rans behind Ron Paul and Michelle Bachman. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got uh, Rick Santorum, which you just can't win. I mean, if if for instance you're looking at Michelle Bachman, if you're a religious zealot, and that's the kind of people that are going to be voting for oh, uh, yeah. Michelle Bachman or Rick San- Santorum, you're going to pick between Bachman and Santorum. And I'm afraid Bachman's just a stronger candidate than Santorum is. I mean, he might as well toss in the towel too. It's Her- funny that you said toss in the towel and with the meaning of the word Santorum, the new meaning. <laughs> yes. If you yeah. want to find out the new meaning of the word Santorum, just go to Google and search Santorum. Yeah. Also, or don't if you don't want to be. Herman Cain is kind of like the, the libertarian light candidate. You know, he's he's a he's got a great sounding voice. He, really? uh, well, he, he you you would describe text. him as libertarian. What, I'm just talking about the libertarian light. Do I consider him libertarian? No, I consider him dangerous. Uh, but they're all, yeah, they're all dangerous. I mean, I, Mark, I like the metaphor that you used before about. Well, I didn't like it, but I thought it was descriptive about a person, you know, someone punching everyone in the face because that's really what politics is. Mm. It's a violent system, and at this point, I don't feel comfortable giving my moral support to anyone who's in it. So. Sure. I, am, I, I have stopped for my own sanity and mental health. Well, you know, and that's the other thing about politics is it, you know, does it does it seem likely to me that Ron Paul can win? Well, I'll tell you what, not until yesterday or the day before whenever I found the results of these things. I'm amazed at his his numbers here. Well, and, what less- you know, it's possible because America really is sick of what they've dealt with at this point. Would you prefer to see Ron Paul in office than anybody else? Um, yeah, I guess, although I don't really support I, I I have issue with some things that he says and does too. But you know his his message. If you've paid attention to it, and I know you try not it's, to, it's pay really much important. His message to, really to me, has changed um, since the 2008 election. Well, the thing I value about Ron Paul is that he's the only one who's speaking out in any way about ending the wars, and I oh, think yeah. that's such an important issue. It's an important issue. I really want that to happen, um, and I hope that people gravitate to that message. And it seems like some people do. Because no. there's nothing else in the Republican Party that's that's talking about that. There's no other candidate that you no, can support. No, not at all. And even the Democrats, none of them are talking no, about it. No. Obama had, maybe had some rhetoric about it, but as we discussed last Sunday, he hasn't done anything in a meaningful sense that's any different from George W. Bush. Indeed. Uh, so, I including mean, on foreign policy. Th- it's what's amusing here is the well, the ones you consider strong candidates, uh, Rick Perry, Mitt Romney. These two guys come in under 5%. Now, Rick, uh, Rick Perry wasn't a de- de- declared candidate at, at the um, at the time or something like that. And he was a write-in candidate, and he got he, did, he beat out Romney just re- being written in. Romney said that he's not going to concentrate on the uh, the Iowa the Ames uh, poll, and that makes some sense because this is Iowa's kind of Michelle Bachman's area. But that's that's really what I wanted to talk about is Michelle Bachman. And here's an article from unelected.org, Michelle Bachman and how she bought the Ames straw poll. Headlines on Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, and all over the web should have been Randy Travis wins the Ames straw poll edging out Ron Paul instead of headlines which touted Congresswoman Bachman's victory. I'm going to read this article, but Who's I... Who's Randy I, Travis, a country singer? Country singer. And really good one. <laughs> Quite a good one. Very, very popular not, uh, country not singer. Not my style of music. That's fine. <laughs> uh, you, generally, I'll bet there's a Randy Travis song that you like, because he's, that, he's that kind of uh, gen, uh, genre-spanning artist. Is he one of the ones that says talks about waving the flag and the... <sighs> 
think you know? there might be, it seems like there might be some of his songs that are that way but he, there's he has a stunning amount of hits like 30 or 40 um hits well americans I mean, tend to love this nationalistic kind of music I, I wouldn't say that most of his hits are aimed at that i mean he's mm-hmm. you know, it's just sort of very accessible who's the guy that's a, proud to be an american well, I, I wish you'd stop asking me country music <laughs> questions <laughs> like i know this well you stuff. said you like randy travis i think that he's you know he's a genre spanning i'm sorry i sidetracked artist. us anyway anyway so she bought the poll Ooh, a politician has done something I'm dishonest tell you about how she bought it but i what I, I really think what they're saying is true is that cnn and msnbc is really painting an untrue picture here gotcha. free talk live Talk Live. Give us a call on the toll-free SACL CAI toll-free number. That's 855-450-3733. That spells out free. 3733. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. And we are doing the show live on Sunday. And, I, you know, I know this is an unusual thing. You don't hear too many live Sunday shows. But, in fact, that's what we're doing here. While you've got a minute, go to learnliberty.org slash FTL and check out the video by Ben Powell public choice why politicians don't cut spending because this is a really tough thing for people to understand why why isn't the government doing what's best for us here's the reason using public choice economics or the economics of politics professor Ben Powell shows how voters rationally ignore what politicians do this leads to concentrated benefits dispersed costs and favors of recipients of government payments uh, at the expense of taxpayers i had a feeling it had something to do with concentrated benefits and dispersed costs that's exactly what it's about go check it out at learnliberty.org slash ftl this is a great site to get videos that will teach you the you know the basics the really the an understanding of the ideas of economics and philosophy is on rights and liberty and that kind of thing also they have a they have the liberty academy you can go to the right hand side of the page there's a big banner there click on it and you can attend the Liberty Academy right online. It's a course for people who want free, free online continuing education in economics, philosophy, liberty, and rights. You need this education. It's learnliberty.org slash FTL. So we were talking about the Ames, Iowa straw poll here and this, this the results. And I find this very heartening that Ron Paul managed to uh, to pull this this one off. I mean, I think it's a big coup. Uh, back in 2008, when he was winning every single uh, straw poll out there, he came in at 9%, which is where basically he showed up in the New Hampshire polls and a little bit. I think he didn't do quite that well in the Iowa caucus. Mm-hmm. So if one can assume that Ron Paul will do as well this in this coming election, as he did um, in the Ames, Iowa, 2007, then you know he should he should be one of the front runners, right along with uh, Bachman. I mean, he's tied her neck and neck here. Yeah, the the reason that I can find some excitement in that is that maybe it means that people are more receptive to or more knowledgeable about the ideas of freedom. Um, however, I think 
we have to be kind of cautious about getting excited about politicians winning struffles like this. Cause I remember last time Ron Paul was running for president, he was winning a lot of caucuses or coming in um, a strong second or something like that. But when it came to the actual presidential, the primary, um, it, it didn't really, it wasn't really consistent. Pretty much with less than 10% mm-hmm. all the wall around. And in a lot of cases, somewhere in like the 5% range. And it wasn't mm-hmm. very, uh, very satisfying, but mm-hmm. there are some things. And I, you know, I mean, I, I admit, I admit right now I got excited upon seeing the results here. This is a real, this is one of the real deal straw polls. I mean, this is, this one matters. And when you find out that Michelle Bachman basically bought this uh, this one, now let me go on with this article here about how she bought it. Bachman spent upwards of one million dollars, paid for over six thousand tickets. She only got forty five hundred votes. She bought six thousand <laughs> tickets. Each of those tickets is thirty bucks a pop. By the way, she mm-hmm. paid Grammy Award winning country music uh, mu- musician Randy Travis to show up, bust in Randy Travis fans. Um, all in order to secure 152 more votes than Ron Paul. Michelle Bachman's camp handed out flyers which stated that in, in order to see the entertainment, you had to vote for her first. It really just says you have to vote first, but <laughs> clearly uh, no. people, it, it is a blind ballot. So, uh, you know, I mean, people tend to, to, to dance with the one who brought them. You know what I mean? Sure. So I suspect she got she bought votes. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They show an image of the flyer here. While Bachman gave out over 6,000 tickets worth uh, $180,000 at $30 a piece, she received for about 4,800 votes. So 20% of those people that she bought tickets for voted for other candidates. At a country concert, a ride to that concert and various other free stuff is a great deal for a simple vote. Though she may have won the Ames straw poll, Bachman will not be able to bus in country music fans for a free show or a vote scheme at the Iowa caucus in 2012. As Joe Scarborough put it, she's a joke. Her candidacy is a joke um you know that's rough rough stuff but i'll I'll, frankly the showing of this caucus is commensurate with uh, previous caucuses i mean it's it's somewhere in the it's it's in the realm of possibility it doesn't uh i mean it's there more people voted than this one than the last one so i'd say that she's she's a top tier candidate is what it is i don't think she's going to show in new hampshire the way romney does you know how people tend to vote their geography this person that's Mm. from near where i'm from is better yeah and why are they better well, because they're from where I'm from. They're like me, right? <laughs> they <laughs> yeah, have something It involved. makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. At but all. I suspect Romney will show quite well in New Hampshire. I don't really care if Ron Paul shows up in the top three all, all along because that, to me, means that the message is important. Here's what I want to really get out is it, from 2000 to 2006, Republicans were in every branch of the government in Washington, D.C. They had the House. They had the Senate. They had the White House mm-hmm. all, all around. From 2008 to 2010, the Democrats controlled everything. Within the last decade, Americans know what it's like to have all Republicans in and to have all Democrats in. Mm -hmm. Americans can tell that Ron Paul is something different than the rest of these candidates because he consistently has voted no for these people's schemes. Mm -hmm. The schemes aren't working. The only scheme that could possibly work is let the American people fix this problem that politicians have created. And I, th- I think there's a possibility that they're willing to try something different rather than the same old, same old. Because as far as I'm concerned, Mitt Romney, he's no different than George Bush. Michelle Bachman, she's a George Bush telling lies. I mean, you know, yeah. like as if she really believes in smaller government. She believes in fewer social programs. 
And I think that yeah. so, if you, you know that the government being involved in social programs is really a is is really detrimental to the lives of people who you know want and need help. But you can't really rip these programs out from underneath people either and have an orderly progression. Um, yeah, I, it's difficult to to make that transition. And of course, none of them are talking about even taking a drop out of the military budget, which is the most significant amount of money that the federal government spends. Uh, well, and doesn't have <laughs> right. That's it, the military budget is about fifty percent of the discretionary budget. But if you'll go to learnliberty.org/ftl yeah. and you'll take a look at where the money is really being spent. Uh, as a oh, fact, the entitlement programs. That's true. Yeah, it, it is. In fact, it's Medicare mm-hmm. is really the 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 one that you got to look at. Uh, Social Security is a problem. It's a big problem. Mm-hmm. But Medicare is a disaster. Yeah. Basically, the average Medicare patient is going to receive a dollar for every quarter that they put in. This is a completely unsustainable program that was put in by politicians that wanted to benefit themselves in the short term and did. And now by stealing from the unborn. It basically. Well, at this point, they're not even stealing from the unborn. They're stealing from the born. The people, <laughs> the people that have to pay for the are born and working right now. It's but they will disastrous. never be able to pay it off. No. And there's no reasonable way. And as people's standard of living increases, they begin to have fewer children on average. And so. The pyramid kind of reverses. The base is, is shrinking and the top is getting top heavy and eventually it's going to all fall down. <laughs> it, it, relatively soon when it comes to Medicare. It's, yeah. it's just completely unsustainable. And it's sad that the politicians, they worked so, you know, they, they, they got it so close to the deadline as if they could have done something and then they punted because the <sighs> Republicans, A, the Republicans wouldn't cut any military spending, spending and – B, the Democrats were like, well, you've got to raise taxes. Now, both of the, you know, raising taxes is a bad idea, but not cutting, um, you know, military spending. Yeah, there's six wars going on. Pull out of some of them. Leave those people <laughs> in Somalia alone. Leave yeah. those people in Libya alone. Yeah. What, what in the heck are you in Afghanistan for? You looking for Osama bin Laden? Here's some news for you. He's dead. Yeah. There's nothing there. Let those governments stand on their own two feet or fall. Let some other government rise in its place. I, you know, it's it's not a concern of mine that the, the terrorists the- wouldn't be out to get us if the fact that that, that you know the it wouldn't be out to get the United States citizens if the United States government wasn't meddling around in their countries. Get out of those people's countries. And this is a message I think that the the American people. I think they might be coming to, around to it. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, the anti-war movement hasn't been as strong in this country as maybe in the past, like in Vietnam or whatever. But it's generally true that when you ask people, uh, you know, what's the point of being there? They they don't really have any logical arguments. They just have this kind of emotional, well, we need to support the troops. We need to finish what we started. We need to be um, good Americans or whatever. And it doesn't stand up to, to reason at all. You know, I don't I, I don't know why it is that people think that uh, supporting the troops makes them good patriots. I think that the uh, you know, I think it's sad. I don't think that obeying the whims of politicians and that's what the tr- best the way to support do, the troops is not to put their life and limb in harm's way for nonsense, for stuff that doesn't matter at all. Exactly. Free Talk Live.
Free Talk Live. Give us a call at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. And this is the live Sunday version of Free Talk Live. And we had been talking about the Ames, Iowa straw poll, but we're now going on to what was this about the Internet we've got to talk about? Yeah, we actually have some interesting tech news. And I always like to say that when people make comments like, oh, technology can be used um, for bad purposes, it can be used to track people, to control people, stuff like that by the government. I always like to say that just like the answer to bad speech is more speech. The answer to bad technology is more technology, right? And so I agree mm-hmm. entirely. I agree. At this point, if you consider what um, sort of the the freedom of man compared to say three or four hundred years ago, I'm, I'm currently listening to the audio book of uh, Conceived in Liberty by Murray Rothbard. It's, it's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I f- frankly couldn't make it through all those volumes on my own. Mm-hmm. But this just it's great. I had to pop it in the car and I can listen um, a bunch of different ways and i think about you know sort of the difference in the way man is man treats man now versus how they did 300 years ago and there haven't been that many that many progressions in human liberty there certainly are some and they're notable no doubt but technology is really what has and when i say man i mean man and woman um when technology is what really has made life far more free and enjoyable than it was 300 years ago definitely technological improvements and this is what's really going to set us uh, us free as a as oh yeah and one of the biggest reasons for that is because we can automate tasks that a human would have to do if the technology weren't there so that we can free up time to do things that we want to do right that 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 seems to be largely what technology is about right mm-hmm. and uh, communications i think is the other aspect of it technology mm-hmm. really uh, has allowed communications and longer lives that's uh, yeah another... living living longer is a big one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and i think free that that's really going to increase large exponentially uh, in in the future is what i believe well i hope so and I mean, the the whole longevity thing is is a very fascinating subject. And there are people who are into kind of transhumanism and, and they say, you know, we just need a technology that extends our lifespan for 10 or 20 years until the next life extending technology can be invented. And then you just kind of keep riding that wave. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I find that interesting. But anyway, we were going to discuss this article from Giz, Gizmag, which is part of Gizmodo, right? I guess I always thought it was Gizmodo is all the same thing, but go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So the headline is new system could make censorship of internet sites virtually impossible. Yeah. Because the government does do censorship. They, uh, they, they'll shut down. Many governments around the world. Um, China is one that comes to mind, right? The U S government does too. They'll they'll shut down. uh, The British government has been threatening. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. They just, um, they just did that recently a few months ago, didn't they? Shut down by order of the Department of Homeland Security. It's real official, scary crap. Yeah. And there have been websites where people will go to them one day and they'll just be down. It'll say the Department of Homeland Security has like seized their DNS registry or whatever. And, and, and it's pointing to the Homeland Security website. And the, uh, uh, WikiLeaks is another good example. Mm-hmm. Governments all over the world, including the United States government, are chasing WikiLeaks around. Just people who are dispersing information. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Chinese citizens, says the article, could once again enjoy lolcats on YouTube as well as content. I love the LOL cats. <laughs> you call them LOL cats? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what what they're called? I call them lolcats, but um, LOL is acceptable, I guess. 
<laughs> Call them whatever you want. They're cute. Whatever. Um, so they could Chinese citizens could once again enjoy um, content that's critical of the communist government as well. If a new system developed by researchers at the University of Michigan and the University of Waterloo in Canada were implemented, the researchers claim the system called Telex would thwart Internet censorship and make it virtually impossible for a censoring government to block individual sites by essentially turning the entire web into a proxy server. And now okay, this, this is interesting. Server. Proxy server is, as I understand it, I'm really not the best tech person, but what so I understand... Your computer going through another computer to get onto the internet, is that right? Exactly, yeah. Okay. So your computer... Um, um, an example of a proxy server is, uh, oh gosh, what there's a privacy expert, Catherine Albrecht, right? Mm-hmm. And she has this website that you can go to. I'm blanking out on the name. Startpage.com. Startpage, yes. Yeah, so startpage.com is a proxy server. Gotcha. And it it anonymizes you basically so that your IP address or the address of your individual computer, internet connection, whatever, can um, is not associated with visiting a certain website. It's it's all coming from startpage.com and it can't be traced back to a certain individual. Gotcha. So they're saying that they've invented this technology um, developed by some computer scientists, I guess, at, at universities that would turn the entire web into a proxy server, which is pretty cool. So it goes on, well, looking at, well, those looking to circumvent site blocks can certainly route requests through a proxy server that acts as an intermediary from clients seeking to connect with block servers. Sensors are able to monitor the content of traffic on a whole network, so they will be able to eventually find and block the server and block the proxy too. I didn't understand that. <laughs> well, read it again because I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much good that would do us, but it kind of creates a cat and mouse game, said Jay the- Alex Halderman, an assistant professor of computer science and engineering at UM, who was explaining this to his computer and network security class when he first hit upon the idea of tackling the problem in a different way. So I guess it's saying that it's confusing or the the um the address that's connecting to certain websites is kind of um, jumping around and so it's difficult to pin down okay exactly what it is I, I think that's what it's saying if you understand this better feel free to call in uh what is it 855-450-FREE <laughs> that's right 855-450-FREE that's a sickle cai toll free line <laughs> what i can understand of this article is that Basically, one, it's creating a way for people to access websites that's not necessarily coming from their computer and that it circumvents blocked uh, websites by governments and, and things like that. So very interesting stuff. Yeah, I mean, it does and sound very valuable because they they so, are talking about censoring internet, especially in places. Absolutely, the government wants to get its hands on the internet uh, badly. It knows that it's a valuable tool, and it wants it to only do the things it wants it to do. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's scared to death of people getting a hold of uh, pornography that, that it doesn't like, uh, extreme pornography of some sort or another. It's scared to death of people, you know, learning bomb making, hearing subversive messages. It's it it, it hates the idea of even. Um, you know, people, bitcoins. I mean, yeah. I don't think the government's very concerned about bitcoins. It ought to be. Because mm-hmm. um, I think, it, I think they issued it. some kind of a press release, but I haven't heard much about it that lately. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't think that uh, they're, they're really, they, what can they really do about them? I don't know. Nothing really, because it's a peer to peer thing. It's totally decentralized. But, you know, this, people think of censorship as something, of censorship of the internet as something that happens in like the Middle East and the third world and China and other places that are, are thought of by Americans as having totalitarian governments. But it happens in Australia. Yep. 
It happens in It happens in the United States, just it hasn't it doesn't mm-hmm. happen in ways that the average person who doesn't gamble online really cares about. Yep. Um you know, there's some people that uh, there's particular types of deviant sex sites that have had some some trouble. Uh certainly, you know, when you're talking about sort of illegal sex with uh minors and things like that, obviously those people I don't know what the, I I have no idea how those people operate but sort of under the under the the, the scope of uh, government control on the internet. Mm-hmm. But uh, clearly they're able to do it. You, you can well, get it's funny because you hear about you hear a lot of stories about government bureaucrats who maybe uh, got on the bad side of the wrong people in their department or whatever mm-hmm. who are busted for child looking at child porn at work and you know I it, wonder how many of them it, this is how they go after people I just wonder you know yeah. if they've got a thumb drive full of uh, full of kitty porn that they just stick right on somebody's computer and then lock their butt up oh yeah because even the accusation of child porn can be devastating to someone's reputation they just have to be accused they don't even have to be convicted of it yeah and it, it, when governments can and police groups can you know throw around those accusations with impunity essentially it costs them nothing to accuse someone of that but it can really ruin someone's life so is this some kind of technology that's going to be uploaded on the the internet as we know it today or um, is it some kind of technology for like the new internet if the government comes after this internet or something like that well it says the researchers say that they are the proof of they're at the proof of concept stage and have developed software for researchers to experiment with so it's not available to the general public now, but I assume it will be soon. On the regular internet, you wouldn't have to do anything any differently. No, you just connect to an HTTPS secure uh, site, and then it'll connect to um, different other sites that you want to access. Essentially, StartPage will do that for you. I mean, it's it's a little it's a little cumbersome, but it, it could do that. Mm-hmm. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. Talk Live. Give us a call at 855-450-FREE. That's the that's the SACL CAI toll-free call in line. It's 855-450-3733. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. And this is the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. Stephanie, tell me real quick about the Free State Project. Well, the Free State Project is an organization that's encouraging liberty-loving individuals to get together and move to New Hampshire for the purpose of getting active for more freedom in our lifetimes. And uh, you and I have both moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project. You can find out more about them at freestateproject.org. Yeah, it's a great idea. If you're uh, you know upset about the inexorable growth of government in the United States, you don't think there's anything that can be done about it, that's how I felt. That's why I picked up and moved my life for the Free State Project. Freestateproject.org. Go over there and, and give them, give them, sign them up. So... Um, Let's uh let's go to this is the show about your calls so let's go to Spooked in is it Michigan? Spooked. I'll just see if I can push Hi. this button. Hello. Hi. How are we doing? Uh, just fine. What what you call it about? Well, I just uh wanted to uh share a little bit about my experience with our uh, son's hospital. Your son's uh, hospital? Experience. Okay. Um he got hurt on a farm accident and broke his femur. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, as all good parents would do, we rushed him into the hospital. And uh, 
while there, I mean, you know, they were professional people, no doubt about it. But uh, some of the invasive questions that they're asking people, um, I would just encourage people to stay in control of the situation and be aware of these things. And that's why I'm sharing it. Is one of the questions that he was asked was, you know, does he go to school? Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, it's just one of the questions that they ask, and where they're, you know, they're fishing for reasons to dig into your into your life, into your personal life. And uh, and I just simply told the nurse, I said, you know, this is totally beside the point. You're here to take care of my son. He's hurt. You're not here to uh, educate him. Uh, and they really do not have any jurisdiction. They're not the police. They're not an investigator. They're not authorized to investigate you. Yeah. Well, to, let me play devil's, devil's advocate here, Spooked. Um, I, I can sort of understand why they might ask that question because, you know, well, he may have broken his femur. I think as doctors, you know, often are very compassionate and care about children and care about people in general. They want to make sure that he has well-being in all areas of his life. And, you know, some parents. None of his business. Well, some parents do abuse their children. I mean, no doubt about that. So I think it's it's okay for them to ask those questions, maybe. But what their definition of abuse is is always what concerns me, though. Sure. I mean, hospitals yeah. love love to believe that um, they that they know what's best. It seems to me that people in hospitals tend to believe that they know what's best. For instance, there was some sign when uh, my wife was at the hospital to uh, you know before we you know just sort of doing the the pre baby stuff. There was some sign that said all babies must receive this 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 and this shot, and I said. Well, right. what's that 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 stuff mean? They're like, oh no, we don't have to do that. Then why does it say must? Must has a specific <laughs> because meaning because most people don't question that, Mark. <laughs> right, I, I understood, but yeah. they they said that it didn't mean that, and I oh. found that very very con- concerning. Well, I think you'll see this more happening more often nowadays as the government spends more of the money on healthcare. They're going to be able to call the shots a lot more in how people receive their care, and the hospitals almost are becoming more and more like an arm of the government. They because, certainly are. Yeah, and they they take this tone with people like you must do this you must do that when i think really and i'm in the medical field i really think that as physicians we have a responsibility to convince people to persuade people if a treatment is so good or if something that we want to do has a has a valid reason it should stand on its own and we should be able to ex- take the time to explain that to a patient and let them know why we're doing everything that we're doing and why it would benefit them because that's really who we're working for the patient that's exactly right. You're working for the patient, so it has to stay. You have to keep in mind that you need to explain to them why you think that they need to be doing this or that or the other, but they also need to leave it up to the patient or his guardians to then decide what is best for that individual. And I, think I completely that, agree with you, I think you're spooked. absolutely right, Spook, that one needs to go into the hospital with the understanding that, um, that, that you know, the fact is you've got to be careful. Uh, many of these people yep. believe that they know what's best for you and that they, they believe that you're dangerous to yourself and others if you don't listen to exactly. what they say, and therefore they'll take your kid from you or lock you up in a crazy house. And, I mean, these stories, they happen. And Well, let me give you a real legitimate story that just happened to one of my friends in Canada. Now, Canada and the U.S. is pretty much the same as far as it comes to their uh, child kidnapping rings. But uh, what happened is she got, her little girl got hurt while she was out hanging up clothes. The elder girl brought a fruit bowl off of a countertop and brought it down 
and the and the baby somehow uh, well the, the the elder girl dropped a fruit bowl and somehow cut the baby's neck. Oh didn't, God! Didn't kill it, but it was ugly. It Not was bad. terrible. It was a it was a bad accident. So what is the first question that they ask her when they bring her in? Here's this mother all in a panic about this terrible accident that happened to her little girl. Uh, why did you cut your baby? Question, no, the very first question was, do you spank your children? Wow. It that seems to be nothing, really ignoring. Nothing. Yeah. Exactly. It's nothing ignoring the immediate the problem. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with the situation. And, of course, this mother is a flustered. She's a Christian, of course. So, of course, she spanks her children just like the Bible tells you to. Oh, no, no, no. I completely you, disagree you, with you that. No, of, children are people. Sorry. That's what the Bible teaches. Well, it Bible doesn't teaches mean it's slavery right. Too. Yeah, the Bible wait, teaches. Wait a second. Spooked. The Bible teaches yep. slavery, too. And it teaches that you're oh. allowed to, to hit your wife. Do you do those things? No. Oh. No, the Bible okay. does not teach slavery. The heck it doesn't. Yeah. It gives advice on masters and servants. What does that mean to you? It just simply is giving them direction. It's not condoning it. It tells you <sighs> that if you should want to be free, you should be free rather. But what I'm saying here is godly child discipline. Oh, no, no I can't allow but you to go on, abusive, Spooked. I'm sorry. No, if it's this... abusive, then it's wrong. No. <laughs> it, it, don't you think there are abusive. better ways to get your kid to do what they what you want them to do um, rather than than hitting them? Right. What? That's part of the constitutional freedom. I'm not freedom saying you don't have the fr- raising your children. I'm not saying you don't have that freedom, Skip. Spooked. I, I have, feel. Uh, I feel me, skipped. Uh, spooked. Spooked. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, spooked. I think that. Teaching children that violence solves problems is something that comes along with spanking. And I would not want to teach a child that that hitting is what solves problems. Every study that's been done on this has shown that children who are hit by their parents at home have more likely to have emotional uh, problems as they get older, to be violent themselves, to get into more fights at school, to have, you know, serious emotional and psychological repercussions. And especially now when okay. there's so much knowledge out there about parenting and about how to help kids understand uh, which behaviors are beneficial and which are not without hitting them, uh, it, there's no excuse for it. Can I tell you the difference between hitting a child and disciplining a child? There's no difference. Hold the line. Free Talk Live. Give us a call at 855-450-3733. That's the toll-free number brought to you by SACL CAI, 855-450-FREE. If you're looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear, check out manventureoutpost.com. They carry knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. ManVentureOutpost.com. They're family-owned and members in good standing of the Better Business Bureau. Some prices are so low they can't even be mentioned on the air. Their manufacturers spe- specify that you can't mention prices below a certain threshold. 
Get an additional 5% off those already low prices with coupon code FTL. That ought to cover your shipping and handling at manventureoutpost.com. We were just on with Spooked, and we, uh, you know, somehow we we went from hospitals to spanking. And I wanted to bring Spooked back on here so that he uh, asked that to explain the difference between spanking and uh, abuse, spanking and hitting, or something like that. Is that right, Spooked? You there? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, if you would allow me to calmly explain my position here uninterrupted, I would appreciate that. Um, first you of all, did get a whole segment. I just want to make that yeah. clear. And we brought you you're back. Not it's, not like, <laughs> it's not like you're getting okay. abused here. Sure, sure, sure. I appreciate that very much. Um, yeah. Okay. So here in a very uh, short version of the position is that first of all, anger is wrong. Okay. So let me establish that fact very clearly. God doesn't a have parent, righteous anger. A parent doing anything. Well, okay. That's a different subject. But when you are angry at your child, then that is automatically going to turn into abuse. But when, in fact, a child is doing something to harm another person, a sibling, or doing something that endangers its life morally, physically, or spiritually, the parents are supposed to be there to correct and guide that child. I would absolutely yeah. agree with that. But when it's when you're talking about hitting as opposed to, say, timeouts or other kinds of uh, punishments yeah. that, that one has, aren't you really just teaching the child big people, strong people, strong people in organizations are allowed right, to tell right. weak little people what they what they can and can't do, rather than convincing them that, uh, you know, that there are ways to solve problems without hitting? Well, they, uh, the, the uh, whole moral of the story is that it is important to use discipline. Okay? Hey, Spooked, now, I, I need to ask you a question. It's important. You keep on using this term discipline, and I use discipline on my three-year-old child. However, we have never spanked him. So right. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm trying to be, just be 100% clear. Am I a bad parent because I refuse to use spanking as a correction for my child? You're not following the Bible, Mark. <laughs> Well, you're 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 using a humanistic form, but I would I would I would very much encourage anybody to read Raising Godly Children in an Ungodly World by Ken Ham. All right, Spooked, you don't get to plug everything on the show, <laughs> but I need to ask you a question. Is it okay sure. for you to hit another adult? To hit another adult. Yes, to no, initiate. I don't believe that. Actually, I believe in, uh, in in more of a non-resistant approach to life, as Jesus talks about turning the other cheek. Okay, so is it then okay to hit a person who is a quarter or less of your size and cannot defend him or herself? Yes, if it's done in a godly, physical manner for the be- betterment. Of- I've had enough. Not I've had enough. One spooked, and we do have other yeah. calls to take, so I, I-, I appreciate the call. Uh, give us a call at 855-450. Just because you pull out, I'm sorry, Mark. What's that? Because you pull out God and you Free. cloak it in religion, it doesn't make violence okay. It doesn't make it to hit a person uh, who is unable to defend themselves. And you know what I noticed? Most parents who hit their kids stop hitting their kids when the kid becomes old enough to hit back. Do you notice that? Uh, well, you know, I can see why. If it's okay to hit a kid, at what point does it become not okay? I, I, I can see that, you know, some sometimes parents uh, will use, uh, different parents employ spanking in different fashions. And it's certainly an effective, right? Like it works. 
mm-hmm. to do what one wants to do in the short term. I'm interested. One thing they found is it, that it uh, is work, the though. children of parents that spank a lot are dumber than pil- children who are not. Yeah, because now, one they're has constantly ask, scared. Uh, well, Their fight or flight mechanism is constantly activated, it, that and could that be inhibits the brain development. It could, it, it could be the reason that, that parents that choose to uh, employ spanking on a regular basis are dumb to start with, so therefore they have dumb kids. It's hard to say 70% what the reason is. of parents hit across all socioeconomic and intelligence classes and everything. Seventy percent? I, I, um, I don't know. I mean, I, that's what I, that's the statistic that. Now I this heard. isn't. This is just talking about lots of spankings, but like multiple times per month, kind of spanking. So let's go to to uh, Missouri and and Sherry. Sherry, what would you like to talk about? Hi. Well, actually, I called to um, say that Ian reminds me of the young man who stood in front of the tank in Tiananmen Square, and hallelujah mm. to him for doing that. Oh, thank it's quite you. Quite costly to him. I'm sure that he was, insp- sure. and yeah, I'm sure he's inspired by that young man. Absolutely. And well, but let's get to the doctors and the questions they ask. And okay. I will say this: they are only serving their masters. Who is paying them? Is it Medicare, Medicaid? Most likely, it's government checks that they're going to get. Well, they're getting a lot so, of Medicare and Medicaid. A lot I, of doctors I, But I think do. that they get used to um, being the, the overlord and therefore – because when I go to the doctor in hospital, and I've been asked all kinds of different things when I go and I refuse to answer, I'm paying in cash or I'm paying it you know, from a credit card or something like that. So at that point, they should be serving me. But they're not doing that anymore because they're used to serving the government. Well, and also right. some of it I think has to come from a concern from the patient, but the key for a good or successful doctor – I think, is to establish a relationship with a patient that's based on trust so that the patient trusts the doctor with that sensitive information that may help the doctor care for them better, right? I mean, well, it's... I think you're being a bit naive, and I believe that, you know, they are serving the people who are paying them. And paying cash... Well, some doctors do work thing. directly for their patients, Sherry. I, I mean, some doctors do get just cash. Do, but mm-hmm. I would presume that most of them don't. Otherwise... Why would they be asking these these questions that really make no difference in the child's welfare? Well, Sherry, it does make a difference sometimes in a child's welfare. There are lots of different questions that I guess I could understand how people might think that they're intrusive. But, you know, sometimes doctors, for instance, will ask adults, uh, do you use um, illegal like do you use cocaine or, or whatever? And like that does affect the person's health. So there is a reason for them to ask that. Now, I understand how someone might think that that's an invasive, intrusive question and may not want to answer it, especially if they're afraid that the doctor might like report them to some authority or something and get them in trouble. But the doctor is asking because it it will help them care for the patient better. I still believe it comes from their, their, their bottom line, the dollar, and who is paying them. I think that it's good to be concerned with why they're asking and to ask questions back. Well, where's the family? Where's the family then? If there was really a concern, the family would step in. It's not the doctor who you pay for his services Mm -hmm. to be the overboard of a family or the best interest of a child. Right. I I think that generally... 
when um, that the generally when doctors and nurses get involved in, in you know, uh, in a family, I find that very concerning, um, you know, even when it comes well, to spanking. And, and, you know, if if they ask if a if a child is being spanked, there's been a there was a situation recently where a woman was, I believe, put in jail and then put on probation for two years for spanking her child. I don't believe in spanking. I think that it is a unwise tool to use to dis- discipline a child. However, I don't think this woman should. I mean, this is a it's a common activity and i don't think the judge should have just you know used this opportunity to you know legislate from the bench well mark just because it's common doesn't mean that it's right and if a parent is hurting a child you know if a child has broken bones or or whatever broken broken bones don't come from spanking we're not talking about the same thing here i mean well if if this woman was put in jail i mean it seems unlikely regular spanking a red bottom may may i tell one story and it was my daughter Sure, hold the line. Real quick, hold the line. Hold the line. Okay. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's F-R-E-E, the SACL CAI toll-free call-in line. It's Mark. And Stephanie. And we are bringing you the live Sunday edition. Go check out freetalklive.com. We have the listen uh, the listen section of the website. It's listen.freetalklive.com where we have all kinds of options for listening to Free Talk Live. The live stream, the radio program, all the radio stations we're on, the satellites, the, the webcam, the listen lines. You can listen to Free Talk Live in any way you want. It's listen.freetalklive.com. We're on with Sherry right now, and uh, we've been discussing the spanking thing for the last couple of segments. It's uh, it's always a hot topic, frankly. And um, you know, Sherry, you were going to tell us a story about, uh, I think it was your daughter in spanking. Is that right? No, it had none to do with spanking. Okay, I'm sorry. It was, uh, it was about the doctor oh, excuse and me. the mm-hmm. hospital. And I will say, yes, she did get pregnant at an early age. She was under the age of 18. Okay. And so, therefore, our insurance uh, considered her emancipated as soon as she was pregnant. Interesting. And so they didn't mm-hmm. cover so she had to go to the county hospital. Okay. So when she goes in to give birth, they couldn't believe that she didn't smoke marijuana. Okay. And they said, we're going to give you a test. And that's just my whole thing. They presume mm. too much. I would agree. Yeah, I agree with you, Sherry. I don't think that was right for them to do that. You know, my wife and I decided after spending a little time with the hospital and uh, the tests during the pregnancy that, you know... We're just not going to go that way. We ended up at a birth center, and you know the experience was 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 great. And and frankly, um, it's a lot cheaper to give birth at a birth center than it is at a hospital. Pregnancy most, is not a disease. Yeah, most <laughs> most uh, women can you know can handle a birth center just fine. That it, it handles all of their needs, and it's a lot a lot cheaper. And you don't have to go through all these invasive questions that I often get. Uh, you know, the, I I feel the same pain. Stephanie, you're mm-hmm. going into sort of the medical field, and I know you're going to try to make make it better there and I, I i certainly applaud you for uh you know working to fix it on the inside but um you know i i understand sherry i think people the, the average person needs to be informed when they walk into a hospital that uh, perhaps 
everything that these folks are doing isn't for their best interest. And, you know, as a patient, you should always feel empowered to take control of your own health care. And, and remember that you're the one who this is supposed to be for the benefit of. And so if you feel a question is too intrusive or too invasive, you're always free to ask why, you know, why are you asking that? Can you just explain to me why you would need to know that information? I'm feeling a little uncomfortable now because I don't, I'm not getting the privacy that I need. I'm not getting the clarity about why you're asking this question. You know, those are always things you can say. That just brings me back to, you know, the doctors and them serving who, who pays their paycheck. Mostly it's the government more than 50%, 50 cents, more than 50 cents on every healthcare dollar is, is comes from the government. That much is true. Um, When you're talking about younger people, that's generally not true. But um, when it comes to older people, you know, Medicare, Medicaid, Mm -hmm. these are all government run programs. Sherry, thanks for the call this evening. Uh, Yeah, I would like to just address this whole um, spanking thing a little bit more. Okay. um, Because this is an extremely important issue to me. And, you know, I I should have said to that guy, what was his name? Spooked. 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 You know, I'm betting that he got hit when he was a kid. I certainly did. You, You didn't get spanked? No, I didn't. My okay. parents it's were rare, in, the, in the minority. It's a rare child, uh, you know, rare person who's uh, grown up and hasn't been spanked. I certainly did. Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that, Mark. Well, that's, that's I, not okay. I, okay, I understand, but I, I don't feel scarred by it either. Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, but sometimes there's more to that than meets the eye. And I, do, do you think it was wrong that your parents spanked you? I'm not a hundred percent sure on this spanking topic. I think that there, there, I, I don't know. I mean, well, like maybe. maybe there's a time and a place for it. I don't know the answer for, to that. What okay. I decided was to err on the side of discretion. I have one child, which means that I don't have three boys that are with it. If you can imagine three, uh, four-year-old boys tearing at each other's hair, um, like I don't know how parents handle these issues with without uh, using spanking but it's certainly going out of style and most of the child care experts uh, say that this is not the way to handle child rearing well that's that's good news to me i'm glad that they say that but i don't think it's true that it's going out of style although i hope that it does and i think it really gets at the root of some of these problems um, in society. So I have an article here about a recent study that says children who receive physical punishment, such as slapping and spanking, are more likely to develop an aggressive behavior towards other children uh, as compared to kids who don't get hit. Why and, wouldn't they? Because mm-hmm, that's what they see. I mean, kids are extraordinarily um, able to observe and Absolutely. mirror what Absolutely. My they, son mimics the things I say. Mm-hmm. Which makes me very careful about the things I say. Yeah. And he's not only mimicking what you say, I'm sure he's also mimicking the things that you do, right? Yep. So, I mean, parents should be conscious of that. So during the course of the study, um, the scientist who was doing the study observed 38 volunteer mothers who, and then he recorded uh, their interactions with their kids for six or more days. So these mothers knew that they were being recorded. And one, it says one subject mother confessed that she slapped her three-year-old baby 11 times for fighting with his sister. She slapped a three-year-old 11 times. She, you'd think that after the first few times, uh, you know, she smacks him and, she, and he's still fighting, she would realize that maybe that's not the best solution to I'm wondering stop the if fighting. this was 11 times like in a row, successive slaps, or whether this is uh, different, sure. different incidences. And another mother in the study spanked her son just for turning the page of a book uh, before she was finished reading that page when she was reading it to him. Mm. I and mean, this that's is, this clearly... is uh, you know, being really, really into the control thing. And you'd think, now what, what was the percentage of people that, uh, that spanked you said? So it says this study has um, exposed that roughly 70 
to 90% of parents beat their children. That should be a lot of every godly country. children, right? <sighs> I mean, this is what Spook said, that's, that, that spanking is the way that you raise godly children. It's and unbelievable. They, it they, seems they, they to can't me that, justify in fact, it. we have a, a less than godly world out there. And, you know, to me, what the Bible is, is a document that was written by Iron Age people with a poor understanding of uh, perhaps spiritual, uh, you know, ideas and the way things are done. You know, no no concept of the, <laughs> the, the scientific method. And to take child rearing advice from those Iron Age folks is ludicrous to me. Why would God I mean, people will say that the Bible is written by God, but why would God stop stop writing? Why did he stop writing in uh, you know the the end of the the first century? Well, and why another important question to ask is it's supposed to be a loving God, but regularly in the Bible, you know, he'll wipe out entire cities and he'll feel you know you'll feel his angry wrath and he's punishing I'm just people. Trying to, to reason and it girls, out. girls are considered property of their fathers. Women are regularly raped in the Bible. They're not allowed to speak unless spoken to. That kind of thing. They're sold by their fathers into marriages, arranged marriages when they're very young. It's it's a travesty. It's not how we would treat people in in this society today. So why would you take parenting advice from a book uh, suggesting that you hit your kids that was written thousands of years ago? It just doesn't make sense. Kids are human beings. Well, you know, to me, there's there's all kinds of things in the Bible that we don't do anymore. Multiple uh, wife marriages. Um, you know, the, the some people own, do that <laughs> owning of people, which is uh, masters slavery. and servants. And, yeah, how could I forget slavery? I didn't mention that. Either. Right. That this mm-hmm. is a big one. And you know, there there is there's human sacrifice in the Bible. Um, you know, there's the the situation where not just Isaac and and Abraham, where God kind of stopped it all. Uh, you know, right? A you know this just psychological the side op against uh, Abraham and Isaac. Um, but in fact, that there was a situation where some, I, I don't know the guy's name, but uh, his, his daughter comes through the door. Uh, she's the first thing out and they decide to, well, he's going to sacrifice her because God helped him win the battle. And in fact, he does kill her. And, wow. um, you know, these, th- these things, these things are in the Bible. God commands them to kill every man, woman and child in this city. And in fact, if they don't kill the sheep, they get in bigger trouble. This is the, the city of Ai. Yeah, that they uh, they conquered. So, you know, this is and definitely spare the rod, spoil the child. This is definitely Old Testament stuff. This is not New Testament stuff where Jesus comes in and says these things. Right. But people still take that advice as as something that's valid. I don't think Jesus advocating the uh, the spanking of children. I would love to know that for sure. I may be wrong on that, but it's it's been a while since I've read the Bible. It doesn't matter to me if Jesus advocated the spanking of children or not. I think we can really observe. I mean, if you think about whether it's okay for someone to just but Christians another... are Christ-like. They're not Moses-like, right? So they should tear off that Old Testament crap and throw it in the fire because it doesn't have anything to do with their God, uh, supposedly. I mean, that's the way it is. It's a new deal under, under Christ. So supposedly. therefore, if the commandments are given to spare the rod, spoil the child— I believe that's a New Testament or Old Testament one. That's just my guess. I mean, it certainly sounds Old Testament. Uh, You know, why would you? I just think people, you know, people have experienced this kind of abuse as kids. A lot of people were hit 70 to 90 percent of parents all over the world. Um, hit their children. And, you know, most people don't think about it and they never bring that to the forefront of their consciousness and allow their. I guess my kid's self- going to grow up to be a little demon because he hasn't been. Uh, you know, he he's doesn't seem demonic 90%. to me. He's yeah, very nice. He's a good little boy. <laughs> Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE.
Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's 3733 for those of you who don't have the, the, the letters on your phone. 855-450-FREE, the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it, this is the show about your calls. I'm Mark. I'm Stephanie. And we're, this is the live Sunday edition. So we're going to go straight into the calls. Uh, Kurt from New Hampshire. Kurt, are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Excellent. Good evening. Hi. So so a live Sunday night show on the air, even. Tis true. Love it. Um, so much for being able to say all those short Anglo-Saxon expletives, though. <laughs> I, I don't think we ever indulged ourselves in that, really. <laughs> no, not uh, generally. D- did not. Very early. Very early on in the Sunday shows, there was a bit of it, but people got over it. Yeah, that was prior to the iteration where it's just Stephanie and I. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. Long ago. Anyway, um, I heard the experience of the difference uh, of someone talking about going to a uh, county hospital and getting questioned as to all sorts of things that don't seem to make any uh, real matter. I, I, had, I had two kids. One was born in a Catholic hospital. One was born in a county hospital. Mm-hmm. And the difference, the difference between the two was shocking. Mm. The, the Catholic hospital was beautiful about it. Um, once, once my daughter was born, she never left my sight. While they were taking care of the wife, getting her back together, I, I'm the one who pushed the cart around with the baby on it to get her cleaned up, to get her... Um, washed and tested for hearing and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never, never left my sight. As soon as we were done there, we brought it back into the delivery room, then to the uh, place for her to recover. And never, the child was never out of one of our sights. Yeah, I find that very disturbing when they, they, when they take the kid away from yeah. the parents. I mean, you know, here you've just been, you've just gotten your, your little bundle of joy you've been waiting for for so long. And, and this mm-hmm. is such a, you know, important time. And then they take them away and do whatever it is they're going to do. Well, I found out what they were going to do. I uh, The second time was in a county hospital, mm-hmm. and the boy was born perfectly healthy, no problems at all, and they wheeled him out, and I followed them. Mm. They said, what are you doing? I said, I'm following my son. They said, well, fine. They wheeled him down the hall, took him through a locked door, and locked it behind them. And I stood there for two hours looking through the glass at the boy as they left him sitting on a warming table crying. Oh no! Alone, screaming on a flat. Yeah, there was a cloth on it, but otherwise it was a metal table. Wow! Without being touched, without being held for two solid hours, and they kept walking by, saying, "What are you doing here?" I said, "That's my son." And then they'd walk away. And especially when every study now shows how important... Yeah, those first moments are. Yeah, the uh, bonding between the parents and the child and and how touch actually helps with brain development and all kinds of things. all the rest. And they they said, why why are you doing this? I said, because my son. That's my son in there. Why are you doing this? I asked them. (laughs) They said, it's it's policy. What is the policy exactly? What was the policy? That they take a child and put them on a warming table for two hours? Well, when when Rodney King was beaten to a pulp, the policy of the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department was order the order the suspect to, to get down, and if he doesn't stay down, hit him until he stays down. So they so the five guys stood around him and hit him with sticks until he stayed down. Of course, and, at that point uh, he was practically dead. Yeah. Well, of course, because the only way that the, the only way that he would have stayed down was unconsciousness, and that's what eventually happened. And when beating to somebody to unconsciousness is to practically kill them. 
And that's basically what happened. They just they followed their policy, and nothing I said made any difference. Nothing anybody says makes any difference. It's in their book. It's their policy. And no matter what happens, they are not responsible for any negatives. Now, it's, Kurt, it's I, policy. I'm, policy. I'm wondering about something. Um, sure. I, I'm wondering if, if, if it, I'm just trying to imagine a legitimate reason why they might have done this, taken your son away okay. from you. And the sure. only thing I could think of is if they were maybe observing him for signs of infection. I mean, because sometimes, like if a woman's membranes rupture prematurely, they try to find out if the baby has an infection and they okay. may put him in an incubator and stuff. So, but... Even if that was the case, I'm not saying it was, I don't know what happened, but even if that was the case, they really should have explained it to you and taken the time to let you know what was going on. But this but is the county like, hospital. They don't owe you anything, Stephanie. They can do whatever they want. Well, and that's the big problem with inserting this third-party government into the an affair that's supposed to be between a patient and a doctor. But this is the result. Mm-hmm. And the result yeah. is as it is. It removes accountability, and it essentially turns doctors into, like, government workers. Really? And the question... The questions that the earlier caller was talking about, the have you ever smoked this, uh, blah, 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 mm-hmm. when it doesn't make any difference. The, the reason for those questions is that those are the questions that the hospitals are given to ask by law, it gives them, at least by regulation. It gives them legitimate reason to take their ki- your kid away from you if that's what they feel like doing for whatever reason. Oh, well, these people smoke pot. I'm not, sh- I'm not sure about the feel like. They're required now to ask. Whether Some, they like it or not. Yeah. But they feel like taking the kid away, not whether they feel like uh, asking the question. Kurt, thank you for the call. I appreciate uh, you calling in there and sharing some- your story. It's uh, shocking. It's scary. scary. There, there are some doctors, uh, I mean, there are some questions that I guess in some circumstances doctors are required to ask and, and put down in their documentation. But, you know, there are some doctors who have a, a deep respect for patient autonomy and don't want patients to you know, face higher insurance costs, for instance, if they have a certain habit or a certain disease or mm. whatever. And like, we'll do things like not write it down on the medical record or something just to get kind of get around that. And uh, yeah, it really is a sad state of affairs when government gets so involved in, in the doctor-patient relationship, it should be a private thing. Let's take Jay listening in. Uh, Jay, are you in Idaho? No, I'm in uh, Indianapolis. Indiana. Okay, Indianapolis, gotcha. Yeah, I was calling, I had two comments. Um... I went about spanking. I, I I got two little boys myself and a, and a little baby girl. But the, you know, you know, going back to the God thing, I don't. You know, I'm not I'm not too into the Bible too much or you know, real religious or anything. But uh, I mean, like little boys as they get older, they develop a, uh, you know, they, they start to fight amongst each other. Yeah, fight amongst themselves. And I, I'd imagine this is the most difficult thing for parents to deal with as far as in this area because if one is going to use, uh, you know, force to discipline one's child. The biggest problem I had with Spooked, by the way, uh, Jay, was that he was claiming essentially that you had to beat your kids for them to be godly. Oh, he got all holier than thou and, about and so it. That's what that's what bothered me the very most about this, the suggestion that somehow my kid is not going to be godly and uh, because I, I choose not to spank. Uh, I was bothered because I felt for his kids. But, you know, like... It, it bothers me that uh, you know parents will just employ spanking all the time, but then I always wonder about well, what uh, you know, uh, how what does it well, like the, what does it teach? And if it does teach in the case of uh, kids using violence against kids, that hey, look, violence hurts. Maybe maybe it's teaching the right thing. I don't know. Well, the idea of a kid, let's say two kids are fighting with each other, and then the parent hits the kids. You're telling the kids not to hit. By hitting them, that doesn't make any sense. It's teaching the opposite of what you're saying, and I don't think ki- I think kids are smart and they pick up on that. 
Right, right. But I mean, there's a, I ain't gonna lie. I mean, there's probably, there's probably two or three times in the, you know, one's eight years old or one seven. There's probably two or three times I had to spank them. I, I never sat them down and whooped them with a stick or a switch or whatever you know whatever people call it. But I mean, there's a, there's probably two, two or three times. Mm-hmm. That I so what's your experience with that? Did, was it effective? Yeah, I think it was very effective. And my, you know, my kids are they're very good kids. They're, they're respectful. They're not uh, they're not out of control, out of line, nothing like that. So I mean, they're they're real good kids. And I, you know, there's there's two or three times I had to step in and give them a little spank, and you know, to, to show them right from wrong because they didn't want to listen. You know, well, you can yell at them or Jay. What about um, what about alternatives like you know, if they're fighting, separate them or remove remove them from a dangerous situation or or you know, there are many different alternatives to spanking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, there's certain steps you can take, you know, and, uh, and some of it does work, but there's there's a certain times, you know, like the two or three times that I had to that. What are the instances in which you that. say that you had to? Uh, fighting over toys or fighting over games and, you know, and then, uh, I mean, you can separate them, but they're going to get up and run back the other one. And <laughs> it's just, uh, I mean, there's just, there's just certain things you might have to, you know, once in a blue moon or, uh, you know. You know it I, doesn't sound like you did it very often to me. I bet it can be really frustrating as a parent when it's hard to deal with those situations. But I think there are always alternatives that we can keep in mind. And the idea of teaching kids not to fight by hitting them doesn't seem to make sense. Jay, I know you've got something else you wanted to talk about. Please hold it, hold through the break. We'll uh, we'll get back to you. Um, Free Talk Live, live Sunday edition. It's Mark. And Stephanie. Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the toll-free SACL CAI call-in line, 855-450-FREE. This is Mark with you. And Stephanie. And we are bringing you the live Sunday edition. You know that cigarettes will kill you. You've probably been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try. It's a healthier option, 22,000 times healthier. But listen to this offer from VaporSmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month, so you already start being richer, richer, feeling better, and smelling better. What more could you want? How about a free starter kit? Purchase 40 cartomizers, that's the little things that contain the nicotine, with coupon code FTL, and you'll, you'll get the, well, how would you purchase a free starter? You purchase the 40 cartomizer, you get a free starter kit. Also, you get free shipping on orders of $60 or more, and that is a $60 or more uh, purchase. So it's actually $69, as I recall. You can call 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to vaporsmiths.com. It's right there on the front, uh, front page, basically. 855-2-GET-VAPOR, vaporsmiths.com. We were talking to Jay, and um, Jay, we we had uh, briefly talked about uh, spanking there, but you said there was something else you wanted to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, uh, I mean, the, 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 my three kids are excellent kids, and uh, I mean, two or three times I had to. I, I just want to. I, I know you. I know you have a three-year-old. That's what you're saying on the air. And yep. uh, how, how about Stephanie? Does she have any kids? I was a child. <laughs> no, I can have. An, I was a child, and I've done a lot of babysitting in my life. I have not spawned. Right, right, right. I'm not saying, uh, well, 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 I'm not trying to incriminate you or anything. I'm just saying you really can't explain parents unless you experience it. You know what I mean? Well, I did experience uh, it. I was a child and I had parents. <laughs> no, I understand, but like tw- 24 hours a day. I'm not, not, uh, but anyway, let's get on that topic. Uh, I didn't know that one about doctors. Um, I pay for all my, my kids, 
medical bills and, you know, my medical bills or whatever that come up. And uh, we, we had a pediatrician in Indianapolis and uh, took my three-month-old daughter in for shots. And mm-hmm. and uh, we did a lot of research out in the last six months and got a whole bunch of paperwork on and everything and found out that, that a lot of the shots are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the doctor says, uh, says to my wife, says, uh, if you don't get her shots, I don't want to see. I don't want to see her no more. Hmm. I mean, what kind of what, what, what kind of a reaction is that from a from a doctor? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? He, yeah, he by, he's using know, the tactics of force. I mean, he's giving you an ultimatum. I don't want to be your doctor. I don't want to have this relationship with you unless you do what I say. And I think what the doctor should be doing, if if those shots are so beneficial and so good, is is explaining why they're good and why they could protect your daughter from maybe diseases that could hurt her. But, you know, honestly, I think I think you're right, Jay. For some shots, maybe the cost-benefit analysis for, for might not be worth it for everybody. You know what I mean? But it's it's oh, great well, that you that you cared about your children so much and that you did the research on that because I know that that's a lot of parents have that feeling that they just want to protect their children and make sure that they're doing the best things for their health. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But, uh, you know, the, the, the nurse that she had, well, the nurse that worked for the doctor, she was an excellent lady. And, you know, she, she recommended one of them, but she couldn't say anything about the other ones because she, she hasn't done that much research on it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we you know we, we actually gathered a book and stuff together. And, you know, I said that to my one son, it seems like he, he got a flu vaccine. Uh, he was about a year old when he was first born. It was about seven years ago. And mm-hmm. it, it kind of, uh, you, you can kind of see a change in him after getting that. Well, first he got real sick. Mm-hmm. I mean, Terribly sick. Got the whole family the sick. The sickest uh, I've been in my life is from um, you know right after two different uh, flu vaccines. So, but both times that I've taken them, I you know either had some kind of uh, allergic reaction to them, mm-hmm. or they gave me some kind of flu. I don't know what the answer is. I don't it's know if it's possible. a, if it's a live, live culture, uh, you know, or what it is, but. You know, when people have experiences like this, uh, and, and then, frankly, the second, the first time I had the reaction, I then talked to the doctor. The doctor said, ah, nothing like that could ever happen. This isn't possible for, for you to have had that reaction. So I took the second shot the year later, and I got just as sick again. And I, Don't you love it when someone tells you what is or isn't going on with right. your own body? <laughs> so, and, and, you know, at that point, yeah, I, I just don't feel the, the, the need to, to listen any longer. I'm, you know, I feel lied to by the medical establishment. And, you know, so many times I don't feel, I haven't feel, felt heard on this particular issue. You're a nut. You're on vaccines. You know, and, and on the air and I've had to deal with these things. And, and, you know, I, right, like, my body. Right, it's like when you talk about it, you're like an extremist or something. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to explain to the doctor. I've done tons of research on it. He's, he's trying to tell me that he knows more, you know, knows more for my daughter than I know. And I'm like, no, I, you know, I, I know you're you're in this profession. You've been doing it for five and a half years. But, you know, you studied it for eight years. I, you know, I, congratulations for that. You know, and I, I, I appreciate that. But um, I mean, you got to look at every, you know, points of views and. Well, I think I think the attitude that a lot of doctors take about vaccines is it's like, just get it into the kid. You're not going to get paid for like they don't get paid for the insurance companies or by the government if it's Medicare or or Medicaid by for talking to the patient and taking the time to explain to them Mm -hmm. why this is a good idea. They don't sell the vaccines. They or they don't. Uh, explain the benefits of them. They just push it on the patient and and ignore the patient's preferences and and maybe ideas that they hold and uh, and they look at it as something that they have to kind of force on the patient rather than convincing them that that hey this is a, a technology that could help you. 
when it all comes when it all comes down to it, it's his office. He gets to do what he wants. I, mean, I suppose that uh, that that's that's that part is fine, but it doesn't endear me to that doctor by any stretch of the imagination. Absolutely, right. I completely well, understand. Well, right, now, he's working for with a bunch of doctors involved, and in you know it's a uh, it's like a you know they practice they call out basically yeah say about insurance and everything, but uh I mean he wouldn't take the time, and I, and I do pay all the bills. There, there ain't no Medicaid or government sponsorship at all. You know it's all paid for by cash me. on the barrel head. But uh, but yeah, I, I found another doctor. He's he, he shares the same views, and that's yeah, that, that's all you really got to do is just it's like eating a cheeseburger. If you like if you like a certain place to go to, and you you know you don't you know one place you don't like, go find another one. That's yeah, thing, you know? that's a great way to put it. It is a voluntary relationship, a relationship between a, a patient and a doctor. And doctors are human beings. They have all different kinds of personalities and communication styles. And I think it's completely appropriate to find one that suits you best because they are. It is a relationship. Thanks for the right, call. Right. <laughs> Appreciate it. Let's go to Nick in Illinois. Nick. Hello. What's Hi. happening? I've been interested in criticisms of voluntarism recently, uh, anarcho-capitalism in particular, and I found one that I don't believe I've heard addressed on the air before. Now, Nick, since it- we have some maybe some new listeners, can you explain briefly what is voluntarism or what is anarcho-capitalism, those words that you just used? Well, uh, uh, the the part that's relevant is actually included in what I've quoted here, so I can read that real okay. quick. Okay, okay. Says, uh, anarcho-capitalists consider a choice or action to be voluntary in a moral sense, so long as that choice or action is not influenced by coercion or fraud perpetrated by another individual. They believe that maintaining private property claims is always defensive, as long as that property was obtained in a way they believe to be legitimate. They argue that as long as an employee and an employer agree to terms, employment is regarded as voluntary, regardless of the circumstances of property restrictions surrounding it. Do you agree with that? Uh, the, I, I guess the, I guess that's my my understanding. Sure. Yeah, and it says here some critics say that the voluntary belief on property rights ignores constraints on action, such as the need for food and shelter and active restriction of resources by those enforcing property claims. Thus, if a person requires employment in order to feed the house himself, it is Nick. That being employed- hold the line just a second here, Nick. Uh, we're gonna uh, get right back to you. Give us a call at 855-450-FREE-FREE-TALK-LIVE. Mark and Stephanie. Talk Lives, live Sunday edition, 855-450-FREE. That's the single CAI toll-free number, 855-450-3733. Talking to Nick from Illinois about, I guess, some critiques of voluntarism. Before we go into that, I want to make sure that you've uh, had an opportunity to go over to learnliberty.org slash FTL. We have several videos there that I have picked out myself. I think they're great videos in sort of instructing people in the basics of the ideas of liberty. In fact, if you've ever wondered about how they could possibly fix the debt crisis in Washington, Jeff Maron, a Harvard economist, makes it real clear what the problem is and proposes a solution. You can go see the video and several others of, our, of the favorites that I've picked out at learnliberty.org slash FTL. When you're there, check out the Liberty Academy link on the right-hand side. It's a course for people who want free, online, continuing education in economics, philosophy, liberty, and rights. 
It's a great tool over there at learnliberty.org slash FTL. Let's go back to Nick in Illinois. Nick? Hello. So, um, should, I, should I continue from close to where I left off? Yeah, just recap real quick for, for folks. All right. Uh, it's an objection to anarcho-capitalism uh, that um, it says that some critics – should I explain what anarcho-capitalism is again? No, that's fine. Okay. It says uh, some critics say that uh, the voluntary belief on property rights ignores – constraints on actions such as the need for food and shelter and active restriction of resources by those enforcing property claims. Thus, if a person requires employment in order to feed and house himself, it is said that the employer-employee relationship cannot be voluntary because the employer restricts the use of resources from the employee in such a way that he cannot meet his needs. Thus, the choice is not an actual choice at all, and the agreement is not actually voluntary at all. Now, Nick, I think I understand what this criticism is getting at, and so there's this kind of stereotypical image of a uh, of a some some people think of libertarians this way right but um, definitely anarcho capitalists are thought of this way as like this evil boss who's exploiting these workers and yeah. right and and like anything as long as it's voluntary anything goes and I think. I completely agree with the criticism. That's really not a very compassionate um, position and that sometimes things that are nominally voluntary still have an aspect of coercion to them. Like, for instance, um, you know, I think you could apply like sweatshop labor to this, right? I mean, there are people who are in third world countries that are not as developed who work in really deplorable work conditions. And so a lot of people often make the argument that, well, they're doing it voluntarily, so it's okay. And no, it's not really okay because they're still being treated pretty poorly. And, uh, you know... It beats the heck out of whatever they were doing beforehand or they wouldn't continue to do it, though, And I, right? I suppose, yes, that is why they chose to do it because it's better than subsistence farming or what have you. But it still doesn't mean it's it's good or it's a-okay for somebody to be working in conditions that really could hurt them, right? Well, if it's if it's not good, um, then it seems to me that some other employer, some greedy capitalist could step right in and take all those valuable employees from that employer by offering them simply another dollar an hour or I would superior, hope so, yeah. superior work conditions. And this is how the market can um, you know, fix these things. It, well, if there is a free market, if though, this but is, in most places... If this places, were true, this is the suggestion that everybody would work for a penny. As if anybody would work for a penny. The market, when when it isn't uh, manipulated by the federal government through fiat currency, which is what we have today and why, you know, why we have these booms and busts, why the housing market essentially drove the United States economy into the, the dirt and then the, uh, the, the president and, and all the other uh, you know, poli- political critters there are keeping it in the dirt because with all their big spending programs, if that doesn't happen, then you have sort of a slow rise in the economy. Uh, it, it expands rise over in time. standard of living. It rises in the standard everyone. of living. Now, try to think back to 2005 and that kind of thing. You know, back before there was a higher unemployment. Remember, the unemployment's caused by the government. This is back when there was a, a rise and, you know, people were, uh, you know, people were getting more jobs. There were more jobs than there were people. You couldn't, the people couldn't fill those jobs. Only the people who are really, 
crappy workers were the ones that were out of work or who were really length picky of time. about what what kind of jobs something like that they were they, you know they well, weren't going to be but mark what you say i mean what you say is true that um free markets increase people's standard of living but so often people who claim to be libertarians or whatever are kind of um apologizing for the thing that we have today in most of the world and definitely in the u.s which is not really free markets no they're actually very regulated and there is not this sense of um competition in which companies can compete for the best employees and offer them higher wages. Most businesses are prevented from even existing because of the amount of regulations and permits and laws that they have to follow. And so that actually what that does is it ends up hurting the employees who are vulnerable. Right. Well, it's the regulations that the government has that keeps the the individual Mm-hmm. Who would otherwise, you know, be able to go out and do their own thing and provide a good or a service to the public at large, rather than um, them, you know, being able to do that because they have to have. Oh, well, if you want to make sandwiches for people, you got to have a forty thousand dollar vent to to vent air upward, and don't forget the sixty thousand uh, dollar, you know, fire extinguisher. But I'm not cooking; I'm just making sandwiches. Sorry, you got to have this fire extinguisher in the ceiling, and all these other things that they say that you one must have in order to just make some food for somebody. Right. You can make food for your kids; it's no problem. But if you want to make <laughs> you want to sell it for somebody else's kids, then it's a big, big, big deal. And this is this is how the essentially the oligarchists, if one wishes to uh, say it, the the big businesses. Because I can assure you that the folks at whatever big restaurants that are out there, they want this to happen. They want the little guy driven out of business because they don't want the additional uh, And often they lobby for additional regulations that sure. do regulate the small all guys the time. out of business. Most of these uh, restaurant boards and stuff in towns are populated are by restaurant owners yeah. who do not want more competition. So then the 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 you know the, the worker if one was the proletariat or whatever term one of these uh, folks wishes to use is then driven into the arms, the greedy capitalist, and their labor itself is devalued because those in the because government, their choices are the restricted. lords, will not allow them to work. Will not allow them be, to be an entrepreneur, right? Nick, did, did we address the, the criticisms that you were talking about or the point that you were making? Well, I had a whole bunch of stuff here that I have written that I was going to say, but you said pretty much everything. Oh. <laughs> With, uh, <laughs> we the, do do this for a living. <laughs> But uh, the one thing that I would add is that um, I haven't really formulated a proper um, moral objection to this objection, but it's an argument from effect in, in, in the first place. And as we see throughout history, the effect that is described does not actually happen. So I think it's kind of a moot point. Hmm. Yeah. And- what, that, uh, that, that uh, workers are enslaved by employers? I think that there's uh, examples of that. You got the old company town thing where, oh, yeah. you know, uh, working, in the working all day. Script. Yeah, you're working all <laughs> well, day and, and the company. If you're talking about, you're talking about like uh, the Grapes of Wrath situation, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've oh. seen the Grapes of Wrath. I thought that included a nun. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I have... I have seen criticisms of that, that it was not very true to reality. It mm-hmm. was an article called The Myth of the Okies. I don't remember where I found it. Mm. But it, it, it talked about how that situation didn't didn't occur anywhere near as was described. Okay. Well, I can see how a company could go set up a situation in a town where they, um, you know, they essentially, they bring a bunch of people with them and then they're the law and they say no competition and you have to buy all our stuff, all your stuff from us and all this other kind of thing. And, eh, you know, I mean, I suppose that that could happen, but, but those people are of- still free to leave at that point. Yeah, exactly. If freedom of movement is not restricted and if there's and- technology that allows people to know that there's stuff 
stuff out there, there's life outside that town, then the problem kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. And furthermore, it would only take one voluntary organization that believes in these these principles that people deserve certain basic things that could operate to you know swoop in and rescue those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I guess it kind of depends on what the people who critique that aspect of voluntarism that you brought up, Nick. Um, it, what they want to do about it. Do they want to use a government to prohibit companies from running sweatshops or whatever have you? Then yeah. clearly we can say, no, um, force is never the solution, right? Nick, thanks for the call. 855-450-FREE. Free Talk Live. Talk Lives, live Sunday edition. It's Mark with you. And Stephanie. Stephanie, tell me real quick, you know, we know that the uh, the, the toll-free line is sponsored by SACL CAI, but we don't really know what SACL CAI is, unless, of course, you listen to the show any other day than this one. <laughs> well, they're doing something new in the area of collections. They're doing collections, early out billing, and they even purchase charged off receivables. So basically, it's a way to get your money and also maintain that respect for your clients if you're in a business that uh, that has accounts receivable. So uh, basically, you can find out more about them by looking at their banner on the Free Talk Live website. It is, what number did you say? It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page. It's SACL C-A-I. And we have, um, you know, this is the, the show about your calls. So let's go to Michael in Connecticut. Michael. Hello. How Hi, are Michael. You? Hi. I wanted to uh, address the uh, issue of the uh, of the government monopoly and the court system. Yeah, it's it's, it's difficult not- to get good customer service out of the uh, the court system because, <laughs> well, they don't have to do a, yeah. a good job. They don't, and it's all about ultimately. It's all about power, and obviously, with the uh, the uh, with what happened to uh, Ian Freeman, that's definitely an example of uh, just uh, just the whole irrationality of having you know a system backed by force, funded by force, and nothing else to uh, how could I say it? Re- replace it, you know, or mm-hmm. something that's based on a voluntary basis. Because what we have now is not really law, but legislation, and legislation is really just law perverted, you know. Oftentimes, I believe that's true. Mm-hmm. And it's just, um, I think law, I don't know, law seems to be, I don't know, law, government has made law into something needlessly complicated. You know, to me, law is just applying the non-aggression principle and just... Natural law, you know, right? Yeah. yeah. And the non-aggression principle is, uh, you know, you, you don't use physical, you don't use force, force or, or, fraud. or fraud in order to get what you want from someone else. You don't, you do don't that, initiate those things. Right, you don't initiate that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if, if somebody uses force or fraud upon you, then that would be retaliatory force. And that's not the same thing as initiated uh, force. So mm-hmm. it's a difference. Yeah. And just the whole, I mean... You know, some people, you know, some people say, well, get back to the Constitution. Well, the Constitution didn't work. You know, that. Yeah, the Constitution, as Lysander Spooner said, has either uh, enabled all the tyranny that we have today or been powerless to stop it. Right. Yeah. And that. Unfortunately, I think that 
that failed. Uh, that could fail completely. So I think just. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great document in theory, I guess, unless you, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's a great document if you don't harp on the whole ignoring women and treating blacks as three-fifths of a person thing. That kind of it bothers was, me. It was certainly revolutionary <laughs> for the time that it was uh, put in place. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that, I think for one, we've, uh, you know, the government certainly moved beyond it in the sense that they don't listen to it. And I think that human right. advancement has moved beyond the Constitution, too. I don't yeah. think we need a, a, a government-run post office which it guarantees. I don't think oh. we need um, this. Or a monopoly on money, right? Yeah, any of these yeah. things, frankly. No, no. And I think, uh, you know, if you had an arbit- you know, you know, a private arbitrator or, or whatever to handle these, you know, these solutions, you wouldn't have, you know, judges acting, you know, the way they do, you know, like, you know, throwing people out for not standing, in the court or wearing yep. hats or doing all stupid stuff. Yeah, you know, you know they, I think that people can definitely see that you know the average person can definitely see that arbitration and competition in the marketplace would result in better uh, judgments that would result in people being able to um, you know to getting the just getting real justice and especially in civil situations. If you really got the government completely out of civil situations where they certainly don't belong, um, you know, you could people could arbitrate things, they'd come to better solutions. It wouldn't be just just, you know, lawyers hashing things out and, um, and, and not being to mention, paid, you know, millions of dollars to do it. Oh, yeah. They're superfluous in, in any meaningful sense because, you know, their job is, is a created and enabled by the government. But yes. what about the fact that the justice system is punitive instead of restitutive or restorative? That's important, too. Yeah. I mean, it's so often yeah. that people are prosecuted for things and. You know, the the uh, perpetrator never has to make the victim whole. It's usually they just have to pay the state. And in some case, many crimes that people are convicted of don't have a victim at all. Yeah. I think that people often. And it, oh, I was just go, go right ahead, Michael. Oh, sure. And it's even, you know, it's and it's a double punishment for the victim of a real crime who's robbed or aggressed against. You know, that they have to pay for the room and board of the aggressor. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Instead of the aggressor paying restitution. That's what j- jail is. Jail is uh, a victim being victimized twice. First, mm-hmm. they're victimized by the, the criminal, and then they're victimized by the government to house the criminal. I mean, how disgusting is that? Yeah. Rather than the criminal in some way making them whole, paying them back, oftentimes this isn't the case, I can assure you. Um, and any people have a problem with this. I think that the biggest concern about sort of private market courts is how do we force people to, uh, you know, arbitrate their 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 disagreements? If you know, if for instance somebody is uh, evil enough to um, harm someone, then why would they be good enough to go to court to mete out whatever their their uh, you know solution to this problem might be? Yeah, and people have proposed um, a bunch of different guesses, I guess, as to how that would work in a completely free market system, including, you know, kind of insurance companies that would make it less likely that someone would get insured if they don't submit to arbitration or whatever. Um, You know, there's also the idea that um, a lot of people want want to work out problems and don't want to just be at odds with everybody. There's kind of social pressure, social ostracism Mm -hmm. if people do things that harm others. So a lot of different solutions. And honestly, I don't know which one would work or if there would be some combination of all of them that would but work. But I know that the judicial system as it is today is broken. Yes. And it needs, agree. It yeah. needs big time fixing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Michael, thanks for the call. I really all appreciate right. it. 
Let's go to an unscreened call. Doing this because it's the end of the show. Free Talk Live. Who's this? Hi, Mark. This is David. Hello, David. Hey, David. Keen. What would you like to talk about, David? Well, I was just, I was going to talk about, am I on the air now? You are on the mm-hmm. air now. You are unscreened on oh. the air right now. Okay. I was just up at the jail. Yes. Where Ian is. And, our our yep. normal Sunday and, night co-host, or excuse me, our normal uh, weeknight co-host. Yep. And I was pulling into the parking lot, listening to LRN. Mm-hmm. Listening to you all. And then I was listening to Dave Ridley. And I did tell it, it's it's a nice clear single right at the jail. At least it was. Do they have Ian radios? Me, well, Ian told me he tried to tune in the radio station one hundred two point five, and um, because the fellow inmate has the radio has a radio, uh-huh. but he said he didn't seem to be able to get it in. Although I got it pretty good in the parking lot. Maybe it's you all know, that concrete. <laughs> yeah, probably have to just move yeah. around the old cell block or something if he wants to hear it. But it was kind of interesting because I heard, I heard Dave Ridley talking about you know mail to jail for Ian and stuff, and I'm like sitting in the parking lot ready to go visit. <laughs> Serendipity. Kind of, he he seemed to be he seemed to be in pretty good spirits. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, he's, yeah. he's, that was nice of you to visit him, yes, David. Thank you I'm for, sure for I'm sure he appreciates him. that. Well, he's a good guy too. You know, yes. I mean, it's a, you get to visit with a good guy. So what's wrong? You know, this is his uh, fifth day of incarceration on a ninety-day sentence for standing in front of a police car uh, because he believed that the uh, the police were arresting a woman unjustly. Um, you know, however one might might feel about that, I, I think ninety days might might be, you know, might be a bit long. For that kind of thing, um, it's not like he's never been sentenced to jail before. Think, so the first time they're going to they're going to sentence him, they sent him sentence him to ninety days. Also, they did it after six after a year. So they the six month period for a speedy trial was well over. And it, to me, it just kind of looked like they just ignored their own little rules and guidelines. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. They're trying to I don't know stop the free stay project or something via. Yeah. Apparently they don't know how it works. Yeah, it's not going to do anything exactly. like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Any other experiences was, uh, going to see him that you want to share? Um. Well, I don't know. He just he just seemed good, and uh, I can't think of anything. Is it a video? It's a video, um, not a a person to person conference, right? Exactly. It's a video, but. And I was able to get in there with my camera, but I didn't take videos because, I don't know, I just didn't. But but it seems, the thing about that video thing is, like, it's pretty freewheeling up there. You can just go up there and pile into the room. It seems as many people as you can get in there yeah. if they don't stop what's, you. you what's know? the worst case scenario? Yeah, I mean, you know, take a picture. I mean, there's nothing, He's he can't touch you, so, I mean, it's just a, it's yeah. a video chat. Yeah. Well, David, I hope people yeah. continue to visit him throughout his whole sentence, and I'm sure he appreciates any mail that he gets at mailtojail.com. Mailtojail.com. David, thank you for the call. This is Free Talk Live. This was our live Sunday edition. Tune in next week at this time. And as a matter of fact, you can find us all every night of the week, seven days a week, uh, Free Talk Live.